Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson here. Ish, how you doing? Yo, what's up? Is anything canceled yet? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's, uh, in, in fact, so Texas A&M Ole Miss is officially canceled, right? Yes. That one's, that one's done, though. Uh, then <laughs> Texas, Kansas is in bad shape. Mm-hmm. Texas is still shut down. But, and this sucks. This, this one really sucks. This better not happen. I'd actually be really pissed if this happens. UAB's having some issues. Yeah. Yep. So, and they play Rice this weekend, right? Yeah. And by the way, we have a great interview with Rice coach Mike Bloomgren on the program. One of our favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe our favorite. I don't know. We, we got a lot of favorites, though. So I was about I to say, yeah. He might be up there. He's definitely up there. He's up there. He's up there. But um, yeah, that, that would really suck. That would really suck for, for UAB to not be able to play this game and for Rice to lose their last game of the year. And honestly, I would, I would just hope that Rice could get somebody else or something. I don't even know what the plan would be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I'll say, again, with the knowledge that I want Rice to go out there and beat that ass, is mm-hmm. if UAB opts out, or not opts out, that's not fair, if they can't play, mm-hmm. then UTSA makes a conference championship game. Yep. So yep. that's that's this the silver a, lining. Yeah, it's it's kind of putting UAB in an interesting spot. Yeah. So right now, this is according to uh, Matt Zinitz of AL.com. So they've had four straight games canceled, and they're currently viewed in the low 40s in terms of scholarship players. Yeah. So not great. Uh, not great. I, I think that, like you said, they're going to be put in an interesting position because this is – the kind of numbers that that you know you should cancel games right but mm-hmm. but like you said you know UAB could lose a chance to play for a conference championship if they don't play this game now of course I think that we are very confident that if uh if UAB plays this game Rice can win this game mm-hmm. but yeah I, I don't know that's that's going to be an unfortunate thing to watch that's going to be an unfortunate thing to follow so hopefully that doesn't happen hopefully uh Rice gets to play against UAB uh, because otherwise, I mean, if we lose Texas and then we lose Rice, we're down yeah. to, what, four games this weekend? Yeah, something like that. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. So hopefully that happens. Um, and honestly, obviously, you got to knock on all the pieces of wood, even just for these other games happening, of course. <laughs> um, the other thing that I wanted to mention briefly is we have a tracker up now at textfootball.com uh, where we're tracking player departures. Look, we're going to be real with you. Uh, it's a very difficult job. So there's a might, lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot of them, uh, especially in San Marcos, by the way. But mm-hmm. uh, but if you if you see somebody who's not mentioned on our list, uh, let us know and we'll add them. But we've got we got a pretty good list together, I'd say, right now of of the guys who are leaving. And yeah, like you mentioned, so Texas State has had 11 guys uh, enter the transfer portal. The, the big ones that people would know, Jamari Sharid, Hal Vinson, Maurice Wren. Uh, they might know Pierce Withers for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, so a bunch of guys out there. I mean, the thing that I, I think that we were talking a little, like Sharid's going to be the one that really hurts. and Sharid and Vinson. Yeah. And then obviously Haydel going to the NFL, which was decided a while back. Mm-hmm. The rest of these guys aren't necessarily guys who were 
going to contribute right now. Yep. And so, you know, not nothing too big to worry about. The other guys that I'll mention, uh, UTEP had four defensive backs enter the transfer portal. Uh, Deron Lowe is kind of the headliner out of that group. He, he's a really good cornerback for them. But then Devon Inyang, Broderick Carroll, Dennis Barnes, those are a couple guys who have started a lot of games for them. Um, so even this weekend, actually, against North Texas, they're going to have to bring some young guys into the rotation. Uh, from SMU, I, I think that he had left the team before, but Kedrick James, uh, the former mm. Alabama tight end, is leaving. And then from Houston, former starter Zamar Kirvin is the newest addition to the list. So it's only going to get more. It's only going to get worse, obviously. Uh, you know, Texas has had a couple guys leave, and the season's not over as yet. But, like, Texas, uh, Baylor, and TCU are still playing in terms of the power five teams. So they're going to, you know, we might not get an answer on them right away. So. Yeah. And, and like, I think I mentioned it with, um, I think we mentioned it before, but it's like, it, it, this was going to happen, right. It's going to be mad. It was going to be madness because of the lack of usual natural attrition, right. Guys coming right. back for uh, a, uh, their, their eligibility because of obviously the NCAA allowing it. Um, Got and so like guys seeing that and then seeing a spot not filling up and other things like that. But the thing I'm curious about is like with the recruiting class still coming in, you know, Texas State's already been one of those teams that's basically more or less basically said they're not taking anybody from high school, more or less. <laughs> um, they're they're really they're going JUCO and then transfer heavy, but like, I mean it's going to be an interesting thing to see like the class of 2021 coming in, you know, how many roster spots are going to be full. And that's something that these coaches are having to tell a lot of these guys buried on the depth chart where it's like, look, you're not going to get to play right with when right. We bring these freshmen. So, you know, you need to make a decision for your future, which, you know, it happens to some extent, but obviously with so many people coming back, it's going to happen more um, when these exit interviews start happening. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, right, is that Texas State is the first team that this is happening to because they were the first team whose season was over. And mm -hmm. and then, um, like, uh, a, a, a spokesperson, I think Drew King tweeted out, um, where he was basically like, yeah, they're basically saying that like, so many, like, all these seniors are coming back. Like, right. <laughs> and so, like, there was going to be no room for, like, uh, to keep to maintain those numbers and bring in a class right no and, and I would I would actually I mean that's maybe something we should think about is trying to see if if coach Babel can jump on the program with us and just kind of talk about their recruiting sure. strategy because I yeah, think yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting offseason for them but let's go ahead and get into our interview with Mike Bloomgren a fantastic interview uh, obviously Rice picked up a huge 20 to 0 win over previously undefeated Marshall uh, and stick around we'll be right back with you we got a very special guest today. We got head coach Mike Bloomgren from Rice University. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing really good. Doing really good. Well, I'm sure you're doing really good after what happened last weekend. A 20 to 0 win over previously undefeated Marshall. Uh, and you know, coach, I guess heading into that game, you know, I remember seeing a video from uh, from your speech before the game where you talked about you know being the team that kind of believes that this is going to happen. I, I mean, how do you sort of plan for a game like this where you know? realistically right like a lot of people don't give you a chance yeah I think that's what you have to do is you have to show them all the work we've done all the things we've done together and really tell them that guys the way to get this done the only way that this is going to happen is if we have unwavering belief that was kind of our slogan for the week that's really what we talked about is trust and belief and belief in ourselves and belief in our teammates that they're going to be able to do their job at a really high level and you know I, I think you probably know we had some adversity. We had a lot of people step up, next man up mentality, and without our starting quarterback, without our starting running back, without our uh, leading receiver. So 
there was a lot of adversity, and what you saw was an offense come together and find a way to grind things out and a defense that just simply dominated. So a lot of fun to be a part of. One of the things that I noticed about the game when watching was every turnover, it felt like, I mean, it was just jubilation on the sidelines, right? Guys coming onto the field. I was worried you guys were going to get flagged a couple times for celebration penalties. But, but like, you know, talk about, like, it, it seemed like a one big, like, exercising of a lot of frustrations and a lot of, like, you know, things that just haven't come together this season. Some, re, some um, circumstances not in your control, obviously, but – how much of a validation was this? Because it just looked like you guys were just having the biggest time of your lives during that game. Yeah, first off, like our kids understand. Like we talk about all the time. If you're juiceful, you're useful. And we want to be juiced. I think you're best when you put your heart and soul and, and everything into this game. And don't hesitate to let your passion be seen. But you're, you're right. This is a huge win for a lot of reasons. But 2020 has been very challenging. It has been very challenging. We've had four games canceled. Uh, sorry, three games canceled. And, uh, like, just, gosh, get them up, preparing. We played one game in November, mm -hmm. you know, one game. And so uh, this was a great reward for our team. But I, I think, like, our team just believes uh, in what we're doing. You know, we talk all the time, step-by-step, brick-by-brick process. And, and it can never change. Uh, so while this went huge, I don't feel at all like it's a destination for our program. It's more a proof of concept. And I think when you have – great players and great people in the building who come in and work their butts off. I think success is inevitable. I think we have a great roadmap and that's going to really help things. But you're right from recruiting, uh, from a mental health standpoint for me and probably the whole team, this win was huge. You know, uh, going back a little bit and we'll come back to this game too, but um, you know, the, the decision to start on October 24th, I, I mean, that really obviously puts you many weeks behind a lot of the other teams in your conference. I mean, what kind of adjustment was that? And, and for, you know, for you on the field, especially, I, I mean, what kind of went into that decision? So it was made for health and safety. Bottom line, you know, Rice is very uh, protective over their students and their staff. And they looked at what was going on in Houston and they didn't feel like it was a time we could start. And uh, we got the numbers down and got our hospitals a little bit more cleared out. And they felt it was, it was okay. And, uh, they gave us a very safe way to go about things. And some of them, like whether it was wearing masks, limiting us to eight or 12 people in our giant weight room. I mean, there was a lot of steps that we were like, gosh, is this really the best thing to do? Or, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that were difficult, I guess. And looking back, we've been ready to play every game day we've been given. And I don't know if anybody else in Conference USA can say that. So I'm so grateful for our administration for paving a way for showing us a way to do this and do it safely for our kids. But back to your original question. Yeah. When we're starting camp in late September and I'm watching people play football, I almost had panic attacks. Like number one, cause I'm not used to being a fan, but number two, because we're in day three of camp and I'm watching football games going on and watching people play and knowing that we're not there and we're not ready to do that. So uh, yeah, there was uh, <laughs> there was some angst. But we got through it, and our guys just, again, kept their heads down, kept working, and kept trusting their coaches, which means everything. Uh, one of the things that I was, I was curious about was, you know, having that late start and then coming out and playing that insane game against Middle Tennessee State and then coming out and, and 
looking like a different team, a team that didn't let that get to them against Southern Miss, uh, which I was, I was worried about. Honestly, I'll, I'll be candid about that. I was worried about like, God, such an emotional loss like that. Um, <laughs> I'm a Bears coming. fan. I know, I know how doings can, uh, can ruin you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And so, uh, but like, how did you get your guys up for that? Because obviously you went on another, unfortunately, another uh, a couple more postponements after that, but that little two game stretch of having a delay, getting excited to play, having that emotional loss and then coming back and, you know, frankly, I mean, dominating Southern Miss in a way that I was hoping to see uh, you guys look like this year. Yeah, so I guess what I would say is after the Middle Tennessee State game, we had to do a great job as coaches coming in and showing our guys why that happened. And anytime a game goes into double overtime, it's not a doink kick. It's not just one play. It's 15 freaking plays that if one of them goes differently, you don't end up in overtime in the first place. Mm. And there were so many positives to take away from that game. Because as bad as we played in the third quarter, the fact that our kids battled back and we took the lead with 34 seconds to go, there's a lot of positive there. There was a lot of belief at that time. So we took the good. We showed them the good. And I just I just, I believe so firmly that your biggest jump of the football team should come between game one and game two every year. You should have huge jumps. And, yes, it's not usually going to come in October. Uh, but it happened to for our team this year. And so bottom line is our guys kept working. They took the corrections, and we did. We went out there and played really well in the Southern Miss game. You know, so obviously, you know, I think a lot of people will, will point to the fact that you were without your starting quarterback, right? And, I mean, how did you get Giovanni ready for this game? And how did you get, like you mentioned, the guys at running back ready for this game? Um, and, and how did you kind of keep everybody focused, uh, you know, throughout that process and not sort of let – what's happened throughout this year get to them in this game? Yeah, I think the focus is more on the demands of being able to play. And those demands are, are you going to make selfless decisions? Are you going to make decisions not to go do what you want to do at the moment? Because what we want most is to be able to play football games. And so that was the hardest challenge, is doing everything right as a program and still showing up. And, and I can tell you, our last delay, our last cancellation, it felt like a loss. I had to remind our team, like, guys, you're doing everything right. This is not a loss. This is not our fault. We were ready to play. We wanted to play. We couldn't play. And uh, so, again, it goes back to probably the phrase I've said more in 2020, and that's control the controllable. We've got to control what we can control. And so when you talk about keeping them focused, it was the same thing. Like, we come in, and you got a new guy at quarterback, so you're going to have, like, everybody pulling the rope a little tighter. The quarterback's going to be completely locked in. He doesn't want to have a letdown. And so I, I think those things are easy. At running back, we played three guys. Uh, well, we played Kalen Griffin a lot this year anyway, who I, I know you know, good Texas recruit right here. And we're excited about Kalen's future. And so he stepped in, and then in the four-minute mode, we turned the ball over to Ari Broussard, who's been in our program three years now, and, and we really trust. So you saw him grind out tough yards and find a way to end the game on the field for our offense against Marshall. Uh, one of the guys that also missed the game um, that I'm a little – it's really unfortunate for you guys to, you know, only have a couple games under your schedule because I feel like Austin Trammell's explosion has been like, you know, something really under the radar that not many people were paying attention to. And, you know, what have you seen from him this year? Because it seems like his connection with Michael Collins was something different. And it just seemed like in those games when you needed somebody to step up huge, he just decided to take everything by the scruff of its neck. Absolutely. And you have to look no further than that play at Southern Miss when he catches the normal out and turns mm -hmm. up field 72 yards. And that's what you need when you're trying to turn a program. You need your best players. You need your captains to make freaking football plays. And he was like, hey, guys, watch me. And uh, he does that. And then uh, 
another few minutes, maybe the next drive even, he, he catches the ball simultaneously with the DB. And we talk all the time about intellectual brutality and strain and being a predator. And he just rips the freaking ball away, spins out of it, and goes and scores another touchdown. And so, again, I think everybody's just like, yeah, Tram's got this. But uh, the connection between him and, and Mike Collins has been special. The timing on the last touchdown at Southern Miss is actually one of, the, one of those things that's amazing. Sun's right there in his eyes coming over. He said he saw a spot at the last second. He, he heard the, the crowd roar, thought Mike was getting sacked, looked back, saw the ball had been thrown, puts out his hands, and literally sees it as it hits his hands. So that's a connection, right? When you can have that media factor with a quarterback and a receiver like that, that's a thing that goes beyond coaching. It's pretty special. You know, one thing that's really struck out to me, uh, or stuck out to me, rather, is, you know, on the recruiting trail. Uh, obviously, you guys, you guys have to recruit differently for a variety of reasons. First of all, for what you want in your program, and obviously because of, you know, the prestige of Rice University. Um, you know, I was struck by sort of how good the, the guys that you're getting right now are, and, you know, how kind of you guys are shooting up the rankings right now. And I'm curious, you know, do you feel like you're starting to really find your rhythm on the recruiting trail? And how do you think you've improved in terms of finding the type of guys who are perfect fits for Rice University? Yeah, so I had some great history in that coming from Stanford, understanding what the student athlete at an elite academic school needs to look like. So I, I do think we have a great understanding of that. I, I take my hat off to our director of player personnel, Alex Brown, director of recruiting. Gosh, he does a phenomenal job presenting our coaches with different prospects. He gets to know these guys so well. He talks to these Texas high school coaches just like everybody on my staff does. We are so in, in, into straight line recruiting. We think it's the only way to go. We're so thankful to be in a state that believes in that. So I would just tell you that, yeah, we do feel like we've got our rhythm. And, and I, I'm so glad we do because it is the old, like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You have to win first or can you get recruits you need first? And, and how the heck do you do one or the other? And uh, we're at a point where uh, we are really on the right kids. We're on kids that want to be at Rice University for all that they can offer on and off the field. And I think we're getting the kind of players we need to compete for this conference championship. Yeah, you know, one last thing. So now you have this big win over Marshall, right? Now you have sort of that, like you said, that proof of concept win. What do you want your players to take from this win? And how do you kind of see that translating as you, you know, play more games, head into the offseason and head into next year? Yeah, I think, I think it really goes back to belief. I want them to know that we are enough. We've got, now got enough players in this building. We've got great coaches, great, three great coordinators that are as good. I wouldn't trade them for anybody. And so as long as we just work together, do the things our coaches ask us to do, like, man, we can do anything. And that's what I want them to take, take from that win. And then, I, again, like, I want them to really put that win behind us right now because we've got a big game this week against UAB. And if we find a way to win that and end up in a bowl game in year three, that's, uh, that's a pretty cool deal for a place that, uh, you know, hasn't been to a ton of bowl games. And I think we've been to six since 1961 or something like that. Uh, but again, we're into making first. You know, we had two games where we often scored over 30 points for the first time in eight years or something. And then we have the first win over a ranked opponent since 1997, the first shutout of a ranked opponent since 1960. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't very old in 1960. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. You know, actually, actually, since you mentioned, I, I do have to ask you about one more thing. So in the FBS ranks in the state of Texas, there are only three black coordinators and two of them coach at your school. Um, you know, I guess 
from your perspective, I mean, why has that been a priority for you? What kind of goes into that decision? And, and you know, um, I guess, how, how do you, you know, as a, a coach who has hired now multiple black coordinators, how do you think that we can improve sort of the pipeline to get people in those jobs and eventually into head coaching jobs? I think we have to make a concerted effort. Uh, and what I mean by that is not everybody's going to be as fortunate as I was to have worked with two people like Brian Smith and Jerry Mack who were absolutely ready to do these jobs. Um, so I, I don't know like how to do it other than to continue to talk about it, continue to advance the message that, hey, everybody needs an opportunity for these things. Uh, I'm not sure if the Rooney rule is the right way to go about it. I'm not sure any kind of, um, hey, you've got to have one minority interviewed every time. You've got to hire one minority on your staff. That's not the way to go about this. The way to go about this is for those coaches that are ready to do those jobs, we've got to promote them and get them opportunities. And I really hope people look at our staff, not because I hired him, but I hope they look at Jerry Mack and Brian Smith and whether they are a minority coach or a person in a hiring role, they look at how special they are and how great of a job they're doing and realize we need more opportunities, more people in those roles. Well, hey coach, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck to you. And we will of course be in touch. All right, thanks so much. You guys have a good one. Thanks again to Rice coach Mike Bloomgren for joining the program. Fantastic stuff as always, like we mentioned, one of our favorites. But let's go ahead and get right into it. Let's go ahead and get right into games. And we're going to start on Friday at 5 p.m. on ESPN+, Plus, which they call ESPN Extra, by the way, on lcfootball.net. Have, have they always called it that? I don't think so, right? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, then again, LSUfootball.net uh, LSU is the god of websites, so right, I guess we right. got to call it extra now. Listen, listen. Uh, <laughs> they are the gold standard. If they, yes. if they tell me something, it's true. If they say that LSU won the title again, then they won. I, I don't right. know how to dispute that. So <laughs> If they say I, Bo Pelini is a good defensive coordinator, I guess he's a good defensive coordinator. Listen, listen. I, I am in no place to dispute anything that LSUfootball.net is telling me. Anyway, <laughs> uh, UNT versus UTEP. North Texas is a five-and-a-half-point favorite heading into mm -hmm. this football game. What you thinking? Uh, I don't know. Um. <laughs> I do have to mention one note, by the way. So uh -huh. we are putting together uh, <clears throat> like a roundup of all the – bowl selections right like all the bowl projections so we've got mm -hmm. them from like the athletic we got them from uh from obviously espn and and uh, obviously brett mcmurphy from stadium who i think is kind of the gold standard in that uh mm -hmm. he's got fantastic bowl relationships you know who mcmurphy put on his bowl list is a utep the utep miners oh buddy uh now i will say uh he has them playing smu in a bowl game that would be a disaster on the field sure. <laughs> that would be <laughs> horrific but uh and and that's not because of utep that's because obviously smu is phenomenal right. uh but i i think every single person would take that <laughs> oh, now man. i now there's no there's no bounds for bull eligibility right like there's no rules for it this year you don't mm -hmm. you know, getting to six basically a free-for-all <laughs> right getting to, to 500 does not guarantee you bull eligibility per se and uh you know finishing with a winning record like there's actually a lot of concern that that might not happen actually at at utsa uh they, they finished seven and four obviously in the mm -hmm. regular season and have a chance potentially in the conference title game but you know they're not guaranteeable right so jeff yeah. trailer is trying to treat everything like it's going to be a bowl regardless of of what happens um mm -hmm. you know because they're obviously eligible but anyway all that to yeah. say 
UTEP on a bowl projection, which was insane. Um, so in regards to the game, so the thing about North Texas that we always say is like we don't know what they're necessarily trying to do um, week in, week sure. out. I feel more confident about what they're good at than I am about what UTEP's good at right now. Sure, sure. Um, so I think I'm going to take North Texas. Now, would I be shocked if UTEP wins this game outright? No, absolutely not. I think, one, the layoff is, is massive for UTEP, obviously. Sure. Um, but even before the layoff, we were still having the Gavin Hardison discussion. We were still having the, <laughs> uh, honestly, the UTSA, the defensive discussion was really like something that I wish we would have had some more right, games right. to decipher what happened with that um, because that was really startling. I'm going to go with North Texas because I do feel more confident in the if UTEP had played more games, I think I'd feel more comfortable taking them. But I feel like I've, I'm more sure of what UNT is than I am of what UTEP is right now. Sure. So I think it will hurt that three of those defensive backs who have started for them a lot won't be in the lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that you know if you if you have a Duran Low to throw at uh, Jalen Darden, that's something, right? Like it's not it's not enough. I'm not gonna I'm not saying it's enough, but it's a little more than getting some of these young, these young kids in the rotation. Right. And the other thing I'll say though, right. Is Jalen Darden needs to outplay Jacob Cowing by like a lot, right. Mm -hmm. Like by a Mm -hmm. lot. Um, And he's, he's a lot better, right. Like Jalen Darden's, (laughs) I mean, look, I, I'm not saying that he's the second best receiver in America behind Devontae Smith, but I won't tell you to be quiet if you say that. Right. right? Like I won't. Um, the other thing about this game is that there's only one thing that matters in this football game, and that is getting Jalen Darden over the career yardage record for <laughs> North Texas. Uh, I want, I think he's like 130 yards behind right now. Let me see if I can figure that out. But, uh, but he's right there, right? Like where he has a mm-hmm. chance to, to set that record in this game. Um, you know, and that's the only thing that matters to me. So, uh, Jason Bean, you better, you better do the thing. You better, you better do the thing and get Jalen Darden the ball. Right. Uh, and, uh, and also, also let us make, uh, make an all America case for him. But yeah, I, I think that North Texas is better. I, I will say five and a half is a decent amount of points. Like that's a yeah, full, that's, fair. that's a full touchdown, um, mm-hmm. that we're talking about. I think that North Texas is going to cover it, but I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be close. I think it's gonna come right down to the end. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I, like I said, I would not be shocked if UTEP won this game, but the layoff combined with I think their last, t- the last time we saw them, it raised a lot more questions. Yes. Uh, the other thing I'll say, um, hey, North Texas versus UTEP in the Metroplex. That is extremely Shahan thing. So I will be there. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get the exciting chance to see this game live. There you go. I cannot wait. And I'm not totally joking. I I am excited for this game. (laughs) Moving on, moving on. Houston at Memphis. 11 a.m. on ESPN Plus. Man, Houston Memphis getting relegated to ESPN Plus. That's that's something. Yeah, a year ago, that would have been a shock. That that would have been a marquee matchup, man. And and honestly, I think it should be more of one than it is. I don't know what else they have going on in this time slot, but uh, I I feel like you could kick something off, right? Like, I feel like, like, let's see, we got uh, on, well, I guess it's a Fox game, but Minnesota, Nebraska, 
Okay, Alabama, Arkansas. That's not a bad ESPN game. Okay, okay, fine. I, I get it. I, I don't know <laughs> if I would do plus, but you know, I, I get it a little more. Understand it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, push it to a later time. There's some garbage games later in the day, but Houston is actually a two and a half point favorite on the road. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. Mm, that's an interesting one. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. On the road, especially. Um, I mean, what has Houston done that's really... I don't know. I don't, I don't... What has Houston done that's really made you confident in, in that? Like, sure, like you can say Memphis has lost to basically every good team they've played this year, but they've only, you know... The, I mean, they'd be also be UCF, so like I can't even say that. Um I don't know. What are you thinking? That's a weird line to me. I don't see that at all. So the thing that I will say is that Memphis, since about, uh, I guess since, I mean, honestly, I guess the whole year, kind of looking at their schedule, mm-hmm. they have not been a consistently good team. They have been a consistently decent team, right? Sure. But, but, you know, you look back through their record. They beat Navy 10-7. Not impressive. They beat USF 34 to 33. That's a little bit of a disaster for being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, get pummeled by Cincy. That means nothing. They beat Temple by 12, which is fine. You know, they have that win over UCF by one, but then last week uh, they lose by two touchdowns to Tulane. Mm-hmm. So this has the feels of a team that just wants the season to be over. Fair. Now I will say Houston you know, also I was about to say, you know, you want to know a team that wants the season to be over. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The Houston Cougars. But I do think that, well, I mean, I I was going to say, I think that their last performance at was more impressive uh, against South Florida, but it was November 14th. (laughs) It was a month ago. I mean, it's been a while. Yeah. I I think, I think I'm going to take Houston to win. Okay. Um, I, because to me, I, I mean, it's obviously not exactly this. To me, two and a half points just means you, it's not a pick em, but it's pretty dang close, right? Yeah, like it's, right, right. I mean, uh, that's neutral a field, field goal game. Oh, not even neutral field. I was going to say they're on the road, so. Right, right. So, um, but, you know, I, I, think that, I think that for me, two and a half is small enough. If you, go, if you want three and a half, that might be too much for me. But mm-hmm. I think that two and a half, again, Memphis is, is just not playing very well right now. They, they've kind of been inconsistent running the ball, which is a surprise, obviously, because, you know, obviously Kenneth Gainwell not being in the, in the lineup has been a big deal. Um, and Brady White's kind of been okay this year, but he has, not Fine, been, yeah. Yeah, he has not been his normal self. And actually, right. as a team, yeah, this team is averaging 4.1 yards per carry, right? Like, mm-hmm. And it's Memphis. This is, <laughs> this is Memphis. So right. uh, the one guy that you're going to really need to keep an eye on is Calvin Austin, who uh, – 951 yards and nine touchdowns so far this season so yeah very very special game um or very special player rather uh but i i think that houston has enough i think houston has enough to win the game um and uh yeah and two and a half isn't a line that bothers me Mm -hmm. so moving on hopefully this game happens rice versus uab uh 12 p.m on espn3 uab a nine point favorites heading into this game yeah, I mean, I get the line, right? Sure. Um, Rice has been up and down. We like what they've we like what they've shown, but I mean, if if I'm a neutral party observer, 
I may look at last week as like just Marshall shooting themselves in the foot. I think it was more yeah. than that, but I would I you could talk me into that if I wasn't if I was a, an objective observer. Um and UAB needs this game, right? So they yeah. definitely there's definitely uh a very literal motivation for them to play. Yeah. I don't necessarily like the idea of UAB trying to play this game at all costs. Um yeah. and so that's kind of why I'm taking rice. Yeah. I think UAB's numbers are actually kind of shot um, very clearly by their COVID numbers. Um, I think they just had a couple, another positive today. Uh, if I'm not mistaken on that, um, I can look that up. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Rice to cover. I don't know if they went out right, but Rice last week I think Rice Bloomgren mentioned it. We mentioned it with Bloomgren. It's a proof of concept win, right? The things they're doing are working. I think that's a springboard type type game he finally has that pinned win where he says look look at what this kit program is capable of look what this defense is capable of and even look what this offense you know they didn't light up the field but they just they managed the game plan perfectly and i think that's enough to get this game competitive and within a touchdown especially when uab is just battling numbers right now right right so and i don't know whether we have any clarity on this right now um whether Trammell and Collins will be back uh mm. I I don't know if we know that as yet but I don't think so. yeah I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard anything yeah no I will say I from what we've heard it's not COVID stuff with either of them it's just injuries right um regardless though I'm gonna pick Rice went out right go for it nice I, I think that so so first of all like you mentioned it was mm-hmm. a pr- proof of concept thing it was a belief thing. Uh, what, what's the phrase that I, I can't remember the exact phrase that he used because that was like the thing that they sort of held on to, but unwavering <laughs> belief. Unwavering yeah, belief. yeah. Right, right. Uh, I think that that, you know, after, after what happened against Marshall last week, I think everybody will have that in spades. Uh, and then the other thing too is, you know, UAB obviously with low numbers. I think that has to be mentioned. The other thing that I'll mention too, right, is that when Rice is really rolling, it is that defensive side of the ball that's mm-hmm. able to cause some issues. And... UAB has been consistent this year when they've played, but offense is such a rhythm-based thing, right? Like it's, yeah. you can't just take all this time off and keep doing the same things that you were on offense at the same consistency. And I just don't think that, I, I just don't think that UAB, if they don't have numbers, and obviously we don't even know who's going to not be playing, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, Spencer Brown, their running back, is is the guy who they're going to lean on. But I don't think that they can attack Rice through the air. And Rice has done a good enough job on the ground uh, defending the run that I think that I, I think that they can win this football game. And honestly, even if both teams were healthy, I think this is a pretty decent matchup. But, uh, but you throw into that that obviously everything that's gone on has gone on. And, and you know, you throw into that that – you know, we don't know if they would actually get a chance, but like, you know, Rice is on the surface fighting for bowl eligibility, right? To, to finish 500. I, I think that Rice is going to win this football game. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I'm a little bit worried. I mean, obviously we don't know the status of Collins and Trammell, but like, I feel I'm a little bit shaky on that just to just to pick them out right um i'm a little sure. more shaky on that on sure. that status because i don't know if as 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 much as we liked what Giovanni johnson did in in you know 
in uh, spelling Collins last week. I don't know if they can get away with that um, two weeks in a row. Sure, sure. Well, and, and obviously this this is something that very much relies on the defense being like sure. playing out of its mind, right? 100%. And and uh, and the offense just holding onto the ball enough. And so uh, no, I mean I, I think. Uh, Look, again, I, I think that I would pick them outright, obviously, even with a smaller line. So if you're going to give me nine points, I, I, think, Fair enough. Yeah. I, I think it's easy for me. Yep. So we don't know whether Texas-Kansas 2.30 p.m. on ESPNU is going to happen. Um, and so, look, I don't think we especially need to preview this game. Uh, Texas is a 30-point favorite. I don't if they were for certain going to play this game. <laughs> right. Uh, Texas is a 30-point favorite. Um, they'll probably cover if they play. <laughs> I mean, after what they did against Kansas last week, like they're gonna cover, right? Yeah. Like if they play, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna cover. And and on top of that, right? Like the way that you the way that you dominate a team like Kansas on the scoreboard is you just put your line against their line and they can't mm-hmm. stop it. And you've got Bijan Robinson, yep. so and Kansas does not have Bijan Robinson mm-hmm. and they, they don't have Puka Williams either, who is obviously awesome. Uh, yeah, no, there's, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing. Anyway, we can move there on. There's nothing. There's, there's <laughs> nothing. Finally, which by the way, finally, we're only at the fifth game. TCU versus Louisiana Tech, 6 p.m. on FS1. TCU is a 21 and a half point favorite. Uh, okay. Do you feel confident about TCU covering that? Hell no. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, yeah, they'll win. Um, but yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't see any reason to be like, yeah, three, uh, three touchdowns? Yeah. yeah, give me TCU. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have zero reason to think that. Um, unless they're playing Kansas, and it's wild that I have to say that about LaTeX because LaTeX is not even that good this year. <laughs> but like, unless they're playing Kansas, I don't feel confident about TCU covering anything of, above like two scores. Yeah, this is just a lot of points, right? Like, yeah. even if it was if it was twenty and a half, if it was that you got exactly sure. three touchdowns, mm-hmm. I'd feel a little better about it. I wouldn't feel like I, I probably wouldn't pick it, but like mm-hmm. I'd feel a little better about it. And, and they haven't done that this like literally. Kansas is the only game. Right, like, that's it. <laughs> that's the right. only uh, convincing win they have. Right, and even you look at their like big scoreboard win, which was Texas Tech. Like, that was a game that they really pulled away at the end, right? Yeah. Like, that was not a game that they dominated start to end. And, you know, you look at, you look at La Tech, and, uh, and obviously they have a 31-point loss to BYU. They have an 18-point loss to Marshall. But I don't really think that TCU is – I don't think they're as good as BYU, obviously. And I think that they're maybe in the caliber of Marshall, but I don't know if they're better. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I just, the other thing that I'll say about this game too, is I have no idea what the hell the game plan is going to be for TCU's offense. Sure. Because, yeah. That's the other thing. Because who, whoever knows, whoever knows what their game plan is, honestly, uh, right. I assume that it will be to try to throw some difficult passing concepts that Max Duggan can't handle and then immediately switch to the run. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and only run zone read. So yeah. I'm wondering, so this is the, aside from Kansas, I do believe this is the worst defense TCU's facing. So, maybe? (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I don't know, because it seems like, I mean, as as good as TCU's 
the flashes that we've seen of TCU being good are when they've just like, screw it, Max Duggan, throw it that way. And like in that way, I mean like north. And he does, <laughs> and it usually looks pretty good. But it's never like a like a fixed game plan. It's just like, ah, crap, third and long, deep. Like, it's <laughs> just like, and so, and it usually looks good coming out of his hands and they usually get a big score. But it's never like them making a concerted effort to play vertical or to use that explosive, uh, that explosive element to their offense, which is there, um, which I keep having to emphasize that I think it is there. But yeah, I don't know, maybe. Um, like I said, this defense is bad. I just don't know if TCU wants to be able to really exploit that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a fair question. Um, and I just don't – again, I, I don't know whether the game plan is going to be to try to hit a bunch of shots. And honestly, I do think that it's fair to ask, like, does TCU even have big play wide receivers? Right, because okay. I think – I think I, mean, like, when he, I don't know when he throws it deep. It looks good. Like they catch it. So like, yeah. I well, know. well, I, I'll say they have Quentin Johnston as a big play receiver, yeah. and uh, and Pro Wells is a tight end who can get open deep. Mm-hmm. Once you get past that, it's tougher. Like then it's a lot tougher, right? Sure. Um, and then on top of that, then they only throw go routes, like we mentioned last week, and <laughs> Max Duggan can't throw go routes, and yeah. and it's fine. Just throw a post route. My God, it's not. That, it's not. You that know serious. what? I'm going to switch. I'm going to change course. I'm going to say they do because I'm looking at these numbers offensively for LaTeX <laughs> and they're kind of butt. Um, <laughs> Luke Anthony has not had passed over for over 200 yards since Houston Baptist. Um, they have not had a hundred. They had 100 yard rusher last, uh, last week against Te- uh, North Texas, which sure North Texas defense. Cool. Congratulations. Um, I'm going to say TCU covers. Okay. And I don't think it's because of explosive offense. I think it's because I don't think La Tech's going to be able to score. Sure. It's 28 to 10. Or not 28. Uh, 28 to like three. Wouldn't shock me. Luke Anthony hasn't been very good this year. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I was telling you, I'm looking at these offensive numbers. Yeah. I'm like, this offense is butt. Like, they, might, they might squeak out this, this spread. 3.0 yards per carry this year. This is bad. This is bad. It's not very good. I, but the thing that I'll throw on top of that is that, again, they've only been not even blown out. Like, they were blown out by BYU, and then yeah. they lost badly to Marshall. And other than that, they've been okay. So, I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Even even that UTSA, ga- uh, that UTSA game, right? Like, that was kind of yeah. the moment that UTSA flipped the switch, obviously. But sure. – uh, you know, they looked fine at that game. I don't know. It's this is a weird team. This is one of those teams where it's like you watch them and they're like, I don't really know about you this. You look at the record, you're like, oh, five and three. And you're like, wait, how are they? You look at their stats, you're like, wait, how are they five and three? And then you look and at you their watch schedule, them. you're like, wait, how are they five and three? And then and then you watch them play and you're like, wait, how are they five and three? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's one of those this things is where a it's two like, and six team. <laughs> it's like you, everything says they're a two and six team and they're five and three. Yeah, it's like, wow, that was a weird ULM game that I watched. Wait, what? They won? It's La Tech? What? I, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick LaTeX to cover, but again, okay. we're talking we're talking. I mean, we're talking like a garbage time backdoor cover, right? Like we're not talking sure. anything meaningful. Uh, so yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> could be fun, I guess. Uh, last one, last one. I sorry, I did miss one. Baylor versus Oklahoma State, six p.m. Mm-hmm. on ESPNU. Oklahoma State, a four and a half point favorite heading into this game. 
Mm. Give me Baylor. Okay. Give me okay. Baylor outright. Um, wow. I'm going to say Baylor outright because Oklahoma State is the most unimpressive team, I think, this season. I think with as far as a team with expectations, and we can talk about Texas being a letdown and all that, I think it's by far Oklahoma State. Um, they the, uh, partially because Spencer Sanders has not really kicked in the gear, but I just don't. I don't know. I I'm an, I'm I think this is a big day for Charlie Brewer. Um, because I think obviously I think his future is kind of uncertain. We don't know if he's coming back. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, but also would be surprised if he does. Um, final home game of the season. I don't know. Like I, I, this is like one of those gut games where you're just like, yeah, I could just see Baylor pulling this out, and Oklahoma State just seasons just crashing and burning. So the um, thing that I'll say, the thing that I'll say is that mm-hmm. Oklahoma State's defense has played Oh, they're great. They're fantastic. And, they're and fantastic. their secondary specifically yes. has been incredible. So, Counterpoint, Baylor doesn't care about your secondary. They're not going to pass the ball anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking about Charlie Brewer having a big day. Yeah, I know I am. No, no, it'll, it'll, I'm, I'm saying they're not going to hmm. – well, Let me jump in here. I'm okay? trying to convince myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? I, I, so that's I, a good I'm, point. No. Let me jump oh. in here uh, from a matchup perspective. I think that Oklahoma State is a bad matchup for Baylor. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that they take away what Baylor does best. And I think that their, their offense is also built to attack what Baylor struggles with, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they run, you know, they run the ball very well. And, right. and since Terrell Bernard has gone out, they haven't been as consistent stopping the run. So now that I've said that, I think Baylor wins outright as well. Because nothing <laughs> makes sense. Nothing makes sense with this Oklahoma State team. No, like I'm telling you, like that's that's basically what I what I was trying to get at was like I don't feel confident in Oklahoma State at all. No, because like even in their good wins, okay, I don't know, like I don't know, like they let Texas Tech hang around. They can't. They couldn't put away Kansas State. They beat Iowa State. Cool, but again, Iowa State's just almost as Jekyll and Hyde as them. Um, I don't know. Their losses are bad losses. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know, except for Oklahoma, but like still they got their, the way they Oklahoma. lost Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, they got their absolute butts handed to them. Um, so yeah, no, this would, this would, it would make, it would be on brand for this season for Charlie Brewer to have 350 yards <laughs> and for Baylor to win like 28 to 13. So uh, do you watch the office? Yeah, I do. Okay, so, you know, um, there's, like, the episode where all the candidates are interviewing for Michael's job, right? Like, where mm-hmm. they have, like, all the guest stars come in. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, and like Andy, like, has his interview, and it goes just, like, really badly, right? Mm-hmm. And then he, like, goes to his car and, like, starts pounding his steering wheel and saying, I wanted this to go better. That's me after every <laughs> single Oklahoma State game this season. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> This, I, why what happened why yeah. what is going on because because you look like i mentioned okay so last yeah. week tcu they lose just inexplicable inexplicable mm-hmm. two weeks ago texas tech they only win by six and they were not the better team in that football game oh absolutely not 
The week before that, Oklahoma lose 41-13. Awful. Mm-hmm. The week before that, only beat Kansas State, who's garbage, by two. The mm-hmm. week before that, you, only, you lose to Texas by seven in overtime. So we're talking about just the Iowa State win being the thing that they're hanging their hat on. Mm-hmm. Right? They haven't done anything else impressive. Like, you kind of look back and you're like, huh, maybe beating Tulsa was like one of the more impressive things we've done all year. Like, and in fact, not maybe, it is. It is yep. the most impressive thing they've done this year is <sighs> that garbage game in week one. I yeah. don't think... I, I don't understand. Like, it's, it's one of those things, you know, we talk uh, a lot of the time when I'm talking to my, my friends who don't watch college football as much as me. Like, you know, we kind of talk about uh, football kind of formulaically, right? Where it's like, if you have good offense, if you have a good quarterback, if you have a good defense, and if you have good coaching, all mm-hmm. those things combine and make a good football team. And it feels like they have every single one of those factors, right? Yep. And for God knows what reason, it has been a disaster. And I think that Oklahoma State is in major letdown mode, uh, especially after last week. I think that they have largely given up. I think that Spencer Sanders is going to make a lot of mistakes against the Baylor defense. Is playing really well. Uh, I, I just, yeah, this, this, and on top of that for Baylor, right? Like Baylor's looking for that kind of final moment, right? They're looking mm-hmm. for that. If, if, like if Baylor wins this football game, I think everybody feels okay about how this season went. And, uh, and obviously, like you mentioned, if Charlie Brewer can put together one more of those types of performances, maybe he can ride off into the sunset, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like yeah. I, I just, which by the way, it, it's, it is, I, I'm obviously, you know, I, I went to a big 12 school and I'm, you know, I guess I'm like core a big 12 guy, but like, what the hell is Oklahoma state doing ranked? Like what, I, what I mean, the absolute yeah. hell? I mean, you know, defensively, they're playing great. But I don't know. Like, is that – I almost feel like with Mike Gundy's history, like, that's almost by accident. Like, it's like, oh, look, he lucked into a really good defense this year. Right. Well, and, and their defensive coordinator is, is very good. It's yes. very good. Jim Knowles. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know about this. But So, anyway, I'm going to take Baylor. We got to get out of here. I'm taking Baylor, too. All right. All right. Uh, in one minute. We have one minute. Yes. Give me a team that could use some help from our friends at North Texas Honda dealers. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say rice. Okay. I'm going to say rice. If they can get this game off, which I really hope they can, um, because they can do their in-state rival (laughs) a little favor. (laughs) If they can uh, manage to shut things down defensively like they did last week. Definitely. I'm going to go with Baylor. Again, I think that Baylor needs this game so bad. I think that I think that this is no. I I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and say like, oh, Dave Randall got fired. No, nothing crazy, right? Like, I, I not to overreact, but I think that being able to win this game, ending the year with a ranked win, I, I think especially the guy who could use some help. I, I think that Larry Fedora get another guy in his ear, get another guy in in the coaching box uh, mm-hmm. to help with that offense. Because if they can have a good game, and if they can, uh, and I, I haven't actually checked on the status of Baylor's running backs, so they can get some of those guys back. Uh, maybe that's what we need. We need them to help us uh, get another running back for Baylor. There you but go. <laughs> but uh, if they can co- go out with a good offensive performance against a great defense and win a, a game against a ranked team at home to end the year, I think that that completely changes the way that people feel about this team heading into the offseason. I think that it would be akin to a bowl win. You know, I think that that's what it would feel like. Um, so I think that they're going to put a lot of pressure on this game. And I think that, uh, 
Yeah, because nothing makes sense. This is the perfect way to cap off 2020 is Charlie Brewer beating Mike Gundy. Anyway, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, like I mentioned, you can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Sex Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. You can become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Personal Johnson, I'm Shahan J. Raja. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to our guest, Mike Bloomgren. And we'll talk to you guys again on Sunday.